Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 5 DraftKings Picks and Preview. If you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, go to the description of this video or podcast and you will find the link to the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League or the PME Open, as many call it. $15 to play, three max entry, no rake, which qualifies it to be the best tournament on DraftKings. Spots are filling up very quickly, so go play in the tournament right now. Also, smash the like to the episode and give me your single favorite play on the main slate on DraftKings in week five, because that's what this show is talking about, the main slate. So the Sunday week five millionaire maker slate on DraftKings. That's what this show was going to go into. I say it every week. People still get confused, but you know, some people are morons. That's how this stuff works. Also, if you want to give yourself a leg up on the competition, highly suggest ftndaily.com. There's a bunch of free tools up there that you can use the air yards, a bunch of different stats, the offense and defensive lines, and also the premium tools. You get projections, you get cornerback versus wide receiver index and shadow matchups. You also get projections, you get the optimizer, everything like that. Plus, since we're one quarter of the way through the season, you get 25% off. FTNDaily.com. Hit the description. You can use the link right there. All right. Let's jump into this. Elliot Chris from FTN Daily is on the line right now. I had my best weeks, weeks one and two, Elliot, when you were on the show. Then I had Drew and Davis on, and they both, like, won at least, I think, 20K apiece. I think Drew won, like, 100,000 bucks. Davis actually won for the first time ever, and just me sitting here with my thumb, my ass losing money. So I need your help to actually win this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for you, Pat, not for me. It's not my job to win me money. It's my job to win you money. So here we are back week five, excited about this week. I think it's a it's a fantastic slate. And, um, you know, just one other tool we just added to FTN Daily is expected fantasy points with Jeff Radcliffe's model, where you can see all the players do for progression or regression in terms of who's left the most points on the field and then who's also just overperformed expectations and, and are due for regression. I don't know much about the old expected points. I'm not going to lie to you. So when you factor everything like this in, like I would assume someone like AJ Green is very high on that list, but does it factor in the fact that he fucking sucks? So you definitely want to add some context because <laughs> AJ Green being dust is is not going to get picked up in the model. Something like Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Josh Jacobs has left a lot of rushing yards on the field. Something like that is more interesting to me. It's not like a definite thing where I'm following it no matter what, but you can see guys that are just been propped up by touchdowns. And it's just a nice overall picture that some guys are going to come back to earth because they're just performing so far over expectation that that's not really who they are. There are guys who just perform so far under expectation. It's because they suck, right? It's like Kenyon Bonner takes performance enhancing drugs and still sucks. Like (laughs) sometimes you're just not good. And AJ green is kind of listed to that uh, has gotten to that point in his career, but we, you want to be able to apply context, but it's a nice overview to, to help understand some regression candidates. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Just the more things that you can look at, then you can kind of build your own story. Get The more information that you can gather, the better off that you're going to be when it comes to anything like this. So, again, FTNDaily.com. Code Mayo, too, if you uh, want to uh, help out the Pat Mayo experience. Just a little bit. FTNDaily.com. Week 5, DraftKings. Before we get into the pick-by-picks at each position, uh, we got we might have some problems on this slate, Elliot. I, it, the latest, as we're talking right now, is that they want to still figure out a way to play Titans-Bills, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen on Sunday. There's the talk about Monday or Tuesday, but then that's a real problem for the Bills because they play on Thursday against the Chiefs. Now there's talk about moving that Thursday game back to Saturday, so I guess there would be no Thursday night football. Like, When do we get to the point where they just add a Week 18 that people can catch up their games there or just say, you know what, you know, Week 11 is a catch-up week? that there might be like four games on that week and like we have to go forward. Like it's getting to the point now where it just doesn't seem like this game is going to go. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm completely off on that, but it's seeming unlikely by the moment. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) applying common sense to the way the NFL does things is I wish you and I could solve that problem, right? Like adding a week in the middle of the season to make up for games so that we can be safe with COVID makes all the sense in the world. I don't see how this game plays. There was just another positive test with a player this morning. So I would. I think it's pretty much you're safe to assume that you don't need to focus on that game. Um, I don't know how it plays. The the other two games, obviously, with the Patriots getting Stephon Gilmore positive and waiting to see if they have 
any issues there. And then obviously they played the Chiefs in that game. It looks like those games are going to go forward as we speak. And the other thing to note is that there is a report that the Titans broke protocol um, and gathered for a practice while um, they were they were not allowed to do that. And there's reports that for, forfeiting games is now on the table. So that's the other potential outcome of this. Obviously not DFS relevant potentially relevant to win totals only, but I would be shocked. I'm with you if the Bills Titans takes place this weekend. Yeah. I don't know about the forfeitures. If you enforce a forfeiture for the Titans, then you get yourself into a really sticky situation where you probably have to retroactively make them forfeit the game against Pittsburgh. Because if that game was canceled because of it, like if I was Pittsburgh, I would have a real problem with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's what should happen. I'm just saying that I've seen that thrown out there. I think right now, um, a lot is being discussed, but the thing that I feel most confident in is that this game's not going to take place on Sunday. All right, well, let's talk about games that are going to take place on Sunday. So, actually, b- before we get into that, let's say it does take place on Sunday. All these guys are coming in low-owned, right? <laughs> no, very low-owned, because well, exactly what I just said, right? You're not focusing your research on a game you don't think is going to take place. So this game's kind of going to go completely overlooked. And honestly, that's been the theme of the Buffalo Bills this season, right? Josh Allen ends up as a four or 5% owned quarterback because he's mixed in there with Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. And then Josh Allen puts up 30 plus fantasy points. Stefan Diggs has been one of the best receivers in football this year. Um, the Titans defense certainly doesn't scare me and they'd be missing 12 players in this game. <laughs> so you know, stacking up the bills to me would be an intriguing uh, option just with how much four wide they're doing, how many downfield shots they have. And you know, that Diggs Allen combination adding John Brown is, is lethal. Yeah. I mean, you might not even you might be able to even take out John Brown and just play some Gabe Davis because they enjoy throwing to him. He's just, whenever they throw to him down the field, he's wide open. So uh, it's an easy touchdown if they're actually throwing it to him. But let's pretend like that game doesn't exist because I don't want to waste time digging too deep into a game that is probably not going to happen. So if we look at the running backs, that leaves Zeke by himself as the only running back above $7,000 if Derrick Henry's not going to play. This is an interesting spot because I think this Dallas and Giants game is the one that everyone wants to attack. You have Dallas at home. They have no defense. You know they're going to score points. And it would strike me, at least my first inclination of the week, that everyone is just going to use Daniel Jones at $5,400 against this Dallas defense to open up some salary, uh, to be able to pay up for a lot of high-end players, which leads me to believe that Zeke is just going to be off the chart zone. Yeah, and which is actually going to be really interesting because you mentioned a salary of 7800 So if you don't play Zeke, your roster construction is going to end up being very different than a lot of people, right? Because there's not a natural pivot, like you mentioned. You know, the, the next guy would be James Conner at $6,900. $900 is a lot of money on the main slate. The interesting thing for me is last week, Zeke did get manage to get his first run of 15-plus yards. The Cowboys were the last team in the NFL to do that. This offensive line is not what it once was. The Giants have been... Uh, pretty good against the run this year. However, they are the worst team in the league covering running backs, and no running back has run more routes than Ezekiel Elliott. Now, that obviously plays into some of the game script, which I think is really important to talk about this game in general because the Cowboys have come back, have had to be in comeback mode three straight weeks. Now they're nine-and-a-half-point home favorites. You know, a lot of the game script that has dictated what the Cowboys do, and don't get me wrong, their offense is phenomenal, Um is, is unlikely to be there this week. So I just think this game in general is not quite as safe as the ownership is going to suggest it is. You say, like, they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites. The game script is likely not going to dictate that. But let me throw this back at you. What if Dallas just isn't good? Like, the Giants could just keep up on the scoreboard with them. Oh, it's definitely possible. I'm just saying that it's not... I think it's going to be a slightly overowned game. I think the Falcons-Panthers is a game that's really interesting. I definitely want pieces of this game. I'm not saying full fight this game. Zeke is the best running back on the slate. Um, I just think there are more ways compared to the past few weeks that this game isn't quite the shootout that other people have. I mean, the Giants have three offensive touchdowns this season. The biggest thing for me in terms of a Zeke fade is that who do you fill out the rest of your running backs with? So if there's no Derrick Henry, then you have Connor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, James Robinson, Miles Sanders. Kareem Hunt is questionable. It looks like he's going to play against Indy at home. No Nick Chubb. Although I don't know how that running back split is going to work with both Johnson and Hilliard still back there. It seems like the Browns want to run a multiple back offense with Hunt being the lead, but how much of the lead? Then you have Melvin Gordon with Philip Lindsay back. My main man, Mike Davis, who you just play every week. He's great 
great. And then Joe Mixon coming off this gigantic week. After him, you get into the Jonathan Taylors, Raheem Mostert, who may or may not play. We don't know that as of yet. And that's your entire 6K range. Like, if you could find the two, we know that at least two of these guys are going to be awesome from this tier. If you could figure out who the two are going to be, fading Zeke wouldn't be a problem. It's finding those guys that's the actual issue here. But it does seem like everyone is gravitating towards Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in this game that people think may or may not be played. I think it's going to be played unless something completely changes after we end up speaking right now. Like I've seen no new news about it. Um, but at the same time, he continues, like you mentioned, like in terms of expected fantasy points, he's someone who should progress and get a lot better. But sometimes betting, it's like betting against the pass line and craps that sometimes you just do it and it keeps working. Yeah, so, and I just want to be clear, I'm not saying fade Zeke. I'm just saying there are paths to it. I actually think he's probably the best Cowboy play uh, in that game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is in a great spot. You know, he's, what, a fifth in broken tackles, 11th in broken tackles per attempt. The Raiders have missed the second most tackles in the league. They're 28th in adjusted line yards. Um, the Chiefs are massive favorites. Edwards-Alaire is, is a huge part of that offense, both in the passing game and running game. He's going to get a lot of looks against a very bad defense. It makes a lot of sense to go that way. If you wanted to fade him, you could go on the other side with Josh Jacobs. Now, I know that the concern is they're 13-point underdogs. It's a very legitimate concern. He does have four-plus targets in all his games. The Chiefs, the way you attack the Chiefs is with running backs. You know, we saw Damian Harris get them. We saw Rex Burkhead get them. Last week, we've, we've seen a lot of even David Johnson at his best game of the season in week one. That's how you do it. Jacobs is a huge uh, factor in that game, and no one's going to do it because they're a big underdog, and people would rather play Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, for me, the two guys in that range that I really like, one is James Robinson. The Texans are as bad as it gets against running backs. They can't cover backs. Last year, they gave up the most receiving touchdowns. They're getting destroyed on the ground. They're bottom uh, four in adjusted line yards. He's continuing to get the snap rate and the the targets that we're looking for. Uh, I would love if his snap rate uh, increased a little bit, but you know, a lot of people are going to talk about, well, Bill O'Brien was fired and the Texans are going to rally together. The the last 36 games that a coach was fired, the next game, the team went 14 and 22 against the spread. So that narrative is false. I think you could see a lot of James Robinson and that he could be in a really good position. And then you mentioned him, Mike Davis. I mean, I know he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he's getting Christian McCaffrey usage. And as long as you continue to get that many targets, you get the red zone looks and you get that many touches against the Falcons team, that is dreadful covering backs. I mean, we just saw Jamal Williams go for like 90 receiving yards, Aaron Jones, Tyler Irvin. Um, that Falcons defense is horrendous. It's one of the, uh, I think it's one of the games to attack this week. And I think Mike Davis and cash and tournaments is a guy you just kind of eat the chalk with and you play again. Yeah. Using the FTN daily defensive line tools and looking at those adjusted line yards, Detroit is actually the worst team in the league in terms of defensive adjusted line yards, giving up, 5.36 per carry. That's not great, uh, but they're not on the slate. Then it's the Rams, the Texans, uh, the Vikings are not on the slate, the Raiders, the Cowboys, uh, then the Bengals. And when we talk about missed tackles, which you brought up, the Jets are actually the worst. Despite being second in adjusted line yards in terms of defense, they've missed by far the most tackles of any team in the league. So there's a bunch of... I think if you want to get risky at running back, and maybe you use Zeke and two of these guys, one of them in the flex spot, one in the other running back spot, but there's definite ways that you can go here. I love James Robinson. Like you mentioned, the Texans defense, Civ-like, he just continues to get 20-plus touches every single game. That's exactly what we're looking for. It doesn't seem like they want to use Chris Thompson at all, and... It doesn't seem like a game where you know, Jacksonville is going to be prevented from scoring all that much. This could be a sneaky over game. The Texans over is hitting all four weeks so far this season. And no one, I think it's just because they have like name value. Like, oh, J.J. Watts on their defense. Their defense must be good. It's not good. It's really bad. So that and no one wants a piece of Jacksonville whatsoever. And amongst all these names, if Edwards Hilaire. And I think that people are going to go out of their way to play Kareem Hunt, even against a good Colts defense. I don't know what really to make of that, but yeah, I, I think it's Mike Davis and I think it's James Robinson and that's the way that I'm going to go and maybe even try to pair them with Zeke and try to pay down somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely pay down options this week. You can, I, I really like that running back core. If not Zeke, I'd probably go Clyde Edwards to Lair because you, you're probably going to have one of those two guys uh, unless again, you go Josh Jacobs, but James, Rod that Texans defense, right? They have Bradley Roby, who's a shadow corner that gets beat in shadow coverage <laughs> and they have JJ Watt and then they have a bunch of dudes who are no good. <laughs> I mean, the, the Texans' 
team in general is is propped up by name value and Deshaun Watson. Um, I I think James Robinson, you know, he's he's a guy that because he's not a sexy name, like you look at that list and all those other guys were top picks or Kareem Hunt was the top, you know, running back handcuff and James Robinson, no one drafted. I think that's going to continue to factor in his ownership where people are like, I can't pay 6,700 for this undrafted free agent um, when I can just spend, you know, $200 less and get Miles Sanders or, I mean, Sanders is a bad example this week, $200 less and get Kareem Hunt. Like I just, I think that Robinson will go overlooked this week and he really shouldn't because that Texas defense is as bad as it gets. I think the really interesting ones are at $6,159, just because we don't know the health status of Raheem Moster. He's back in practice. He's limited, but he still may or may not play, and that's a late game in the afternoon slate on the main slate. So if there's no Moster, McKinnon against Miami is in a fantastic spot. Yeah, I mean, he played 92% of the snaps, right? He saw eight of nine running back targets last week. We're looking at a team in the Dolphins who are 30th DVOA and covering running backs. I mean, he gets close to a lock button play if there's no monster. But he's just too. But, but you're going to, but if we don't, let's say we don't know about monster. Let's say he's like a legitimate game time decision. What do we do then? Do we just leave him and pivot onto him using the late swap? I mean, late swap is an incredibly valuable tool, right? Um, I, that's one of those situations where if we still don't know about Mostert and it looks like he's going to play, right. He just got in a limited practice, a limited practice early in the week. That's trending in the right direction. Um, but that's, that's really the advantage of late swap where if Mostert does get ruled out, let's say at two thirty Eastern McKinnon's ownership is going to be sub 10% where if Mostert got ruled out on Saturday, it would be like 30%. So what, what, let's say Mostert look. Maybe you just plug Mostert into your lineup. If he doesn't play, you can switch on to McKinnon. Like, would you play Mostert in this great matchup? If like if he's going to play, you have to assume he's going to be healthy, right? Yeah, I think he's absolutely in play. Um, I mean, this team is going to run their entire offense through the running backs and through George Kittle. You know, we we CJ Beathard is going to get a start this week. It's just <laughs> they're going to play. Do we, do we know that Beat Hard is going to get a start? Because it looks like Jimmy G might play. Oh, that's a good point. Um, that's, that's real bad by me to be honest. Uh, cause he actually just returned to practice as well. Um, I'm not sure he's any better than, uh, Beathard or Beathard or whatever we want to call him. Um, they're, they're all bad. Uh, but even with Jimmy G, the offense is going to run through the running backs and George Kittle. I actually think, um, Jimmy G might be a slight downgrade for George Kittle, but that's a, we'll get to that when we get to tight ends, but Mostert's going to get the ball 15 times in a great matchup. He's probably going to be a little bit less involved in the passing game than McKinnon because he's McKinnon's a better pass catching back. But I definitely would want exposure to this um, 49ers running game against a Dolphins defense that's horrendous as home favorites. Now we have a situation in the 5K area where you have like Singletary, probably not going to play. If that game does end up going, it looks like Zach Moss might be back anyway. It's not like Singletary was lighting the world on fire. Then it goes like McKinnon, then Gurley, Drake, in that awful Mark Ingram, both the Rams running backs that are not named Cam Akers, who's much lower on this list. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell appears like he's going to be back. And then at the even 5,000, you have three names. Rex Burkhead, Jeff Wilson, Antonio Gibson is right there too. Gibson might actually have the best matchup of all of these guys. And now with Kyle Allen starting at quarterback, I, I don't know if they continue to go to J.D. McKissick all of the time in the passing game. But if Gibson can get like, three to five targets a game plus the 15 to 20 carries he seems to be promised plus all the goal line work five thousand dollars seems like a really good price yeah the only concern in that game is the pace right the rams are so slow they bleed the clock i remember watching the giants rams game and i looked up and i was like wow that the first quarter is moving pretty slow there's there's only you know six minutes left in the first quarter and then i realized that it was the second quarter because of, the Rams are such a run-heavy team, and they're they're going to continue to do that against Washington. But, you know, the Rams' run defense isn't something that scares me, and that Gibson's going to get the pass work. He's becoming game script um, independent, which is exactly what we're looking for at that price range. Uh, Kyle Allen obviously checked down a lot. They did come from the Panther system that used McCaffrey. He's very comfortable using the running back. Gibson at 5K is in a great range. And, you know, the two guys that we skipped right over are Kenyon Drake and Todd Gurley. Uh, Drake has probably been the biggest disappointment in fantasy football this year. Uh, he's been horrendous in back-to-back amazing matchups. The Jets, again, like you mentioned, top two, top three in adjusted line yards, but then they get destroyed the second you get to the second level because they miss tackles. However, Drake forces no missed tackles. 
I, I don't think I'm going to go back to that well. And Carolina, we, we've mentioned it the first two weeks of the show. I'm sure every guest mentions Carolina's run defense. I just probably won't go there with Todd Gurley. I'm going to look to attack that game in the air. But I think that Gibson, you're right, is the best 5K running back play. Because Cam Akers is probably going to come back, which kills Henderson and Brown. I think that people were wrong about Carolina's defense. That it's not good by any means, but people were talking basically like, oh, this is a historically bad defense. It's not that bad. Like, you get fantasy points against them, that's fine. Maybe it's that the offense is a lot better than people thought it was going to be, and you can't do whatever. You can't just run the ball down their throats the entire game. Like, with Gurley, if the Panthers jump up in this game, this is less than a three-point spread. Like, it's a coin flip game, even in Atlanta, that we're looking at a situation where it could be a lot of Brian Hill on the field. Yes, that if they get on the goal line, it probably will be Todd Gurley, but do you just end up with, like, a Jerome Bettis game where it's like, oh, 12 carries for 38 yards and two touchdowns? Like, that's fine. That's not winning you a tournament. No, I don't want to play Todd Gurley. Again, the, I always want to play Matt Ryan and get Falcons games where teams don't get pressure. And no team has generated less pressure than the Carolina Panthers this year. Their pressure rate is 15.7%, which is the lowest in football. You know, Matt Ryan last year was like the biggest night and day quarterback under pressure, not under pressure. The team that struggled to generate pressure against him in the first two weeks were the Seahawks and Cowboys, and he lit both those teams up. I know Julio Jones is out, but I think this game is gonna is gonna shoot out. I know the total is 54 and a half. I think it'll go over that. Um pretty easily but I think the passing game is really where you want to attack this game I just wanted to mention the fact that two of the biggest disappointments in fantasy football this year are also in two of the best matchups that people have looked to attack through four weeks and people aren't going even though the matchups are there I think that the recency bias of these guys being terrible and just how bad they are from their season long leagues they drafted these guys that no one's going to use them if you could pick one of those guys right uh, you might be in the money this week yeah I mean that's one of those are we going to game stack these games and be different yeah. I think that's really what those plays are. That's like, a, I'm going to run a 20 max. I know we're going to stick to one to three here uh, for the most part. But in terms of playing Todd Gurley, that's me stacking up the Panthers-Falcons game, doing a 20 max and getting 20% exposure as leverage on the passing attack. Well, you have the the old kind of big disappointment guys. And like the old guys who just aren't very good or coming back from injury, like David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell at 52 and 51. Like I prefer Antonio Gibson. That's my play from that area. But I think you can make a logical case for both of these guys this week without Bill O'Brien around. Maybe David Johnson gets, I mean, David Johnson did not look good last week at all, but maybe an open, more opened up playbook gets him down the field a little bit more. Maybe can score a touchdown or two. And with Joe Flacco playing quarterback for the Jets, this could be check down city for Bell. If you think that he he can go back to his regular like 75 to 80 percent snap share yeah uh with david i mean duke johnson came back last week and definitely ate into david johnson's snap count we saw him drop from like 96 percent to 55 percent and he was obviously a bill o'brien guy that situation is interesting again we talked about that game shooting out people aren't going to look at david johnson i think he's worth an angle in contrarian plays but again i like gibson or i honestly with how much James Robinson I'm going to have, I don't like playing two running backs in the same game. It's probably going to keep me off David Johnson this week. Bell is one of these guys that, like last year, like he got the volume, right? But there's so few touchdowns that this team can score. Uh, we saw on Thursday Night Football, they scored 28 points and one, they had one offensive touchdown. And it was a 50-yard run by Sam Darnold, which is the flukiest of all fluky plays. This team is horrendous in the red zone. Frank Gore, they will not let the old man they, – like, they, they just continue to feed Frank Gore. He's going to get the ball too much in this one. Um, they did release Kalen Balazs, which makes me feel much better about Bell's pass game usage. Like you mentioned, Joe Flacco is going to check down. I, I probably just want to avoid the Jets' offense for the most part in this one. Beyond that, if you're looking sub-5K and really trying to save money, I, you probably don't need to go down into this range. You can save money at other positions. But Gaskin at San Francisco, it seems like he's kind of game script agnostic. He's going to play his 65% of snaps. He's going to pile up catches. You just have to hope Jordan Howard doesn't come in and steal the touchdowns if that's the case, which is a real problem. And other than that, two guys at $4,300. Uh, you're going to have to get lucky that these guys get the usage. But Damian Harris kind of showed on Monday evening that he is some... He's, he's not necessarily a force to be reckoned with, but if the 
Patriots want to run the ball. You can run the ball against Denver, and he's 4300 bucks. Then Cincinnati is like one of the worst run defenses in the league, and J.K. Dobbins is back down to $4,300. You have no idea which one of these three running backs is actually going to play snaps. It might just be a, a pure three-way split where they all play 33%. But if you can luck into the game where they want to feature Dobbins, all of a sudden he's 4300 bucks with huge upside. Yeah. I mean, Damian Harris is basically going to take the Sony Michelle role which is typically a five plus K role. I, I just don't really want to mess with guys who don't catch passes and are going to be touchdown dependent uh, that probably need two touchdowns to really hurt me. Uh, for me, I'd rather bet on JK Dobbins to score a touchdown at like plus 400 than JK Dobbins in, in DFS. That's probably the way I would approach it. I mean, I certainly understand uh, the upside with that running game against Cincinnati, but the snaps are just going to be so volatile that it's not something I'm really going to chase. I'm going to congratulate someone else if they get it right. Because if they get a big – Gus Edwards is the the late-game hammer where no one wants to tackle him, and they kind of give him a lot of the fourth-quarter runs. So I think you're looking at eight to ten carries of J.K. Dobbins, and he's going to need to take two of them to the end zone. That's not really a bet I want to make. All right, let's move to receivers that if you do, let's say, pass on Zeke at the very high end and play Gibson and maybe a guy in the $6,000, you have the ability to pay up all you want at receiver. Now, do you think that is the prudent move this week? Because when you look at the top, DeAndre Hopkins is there. He's back down in price. He's disappointed, but now he gets the Jets. That's a fantastic matchup. 7900 bucks. Ridley's dealing with this ankle injury. It doesn't look like Julio Jones is going to play. He's 75. Then you got Cooper. Diggs probably not going to play. Tyree Kill. Julio Jones, probably not going to play. Juju's dealing with his knee. He should be fine. Will Fuller, Cooper Cup, and DJ Chark. Would you be more willing to pay up to the very top of the position or hit these 6K guys? I'm really interested in Calvin Ridley this week. Uh, I think that Hopkins is is a very safe play, but at an dot of you know 6.7, that really limits some of his ceiling. The Jets have actually been the worst team in the league covering wide receiver twos. Uh, they're really bad against the deep ball. We'll talk about Christian Kirk in a little bit. But <coughs> sorry. Calvin Ridley is a guy that I'm really interested in because, I mean, last week, obviously against the Packers, on Monday Night Football, he was very popular in a two-game slate, puts up a zero. He did have 96 air yards. He had the end zone target, which he could have come up with. He had the other target down the field where he adjusted and just missed coming up with the ball, would have been behind Jair Alexander, and it would have gone for like a 70-yard touchdown. I think this, again, this passing attack is the game I really want to get into. And Matt Ryan under pressure versus not under pressure is when he when the, the opponent can't generate pressure, that's when I'm going to go in on the pa- the Falcons p- passing game. And that's exactly what this is. You cannot generate less pressure than the Panthers have this season. So Calvin Ridley at 7,500 I think is really intriguing. And Tyree Kill at 6,900. Again, this Chiefs offense seems to get talked up less and less this year than it has in the past. And you attack the Raiders down the field. They were one of the worst. They were 31st last year. This is a team that has struggled with it this year. A couple game t- opponents really haven't been able to take advantage of it because Drew Brees, you know, lifts the the green and pink weights at this point with his arm strength. But you, we saw the Bills go right down the field and attack them vertically. So I think Tyree Kill is a really intriguing play this week at 6,900. Well, if we go down into that 6K range, like DJ Chark is down there. I like DJ Chark every single week because he's fantastic. <laughs> then you got like Woods. You have Odell coming off the big week in a much tougher matchup against Indy this time around. Hollywood Brown, I would expect, I haven't looked at Jeff's expected fantasy points yet. I would expect Hollywood Brown to be near the top of that list. Yeah, Hollywood is one of these guys that the biggest issue for me is the the volume in the Ravens passing attack. <laughs> you and know, you, and you Lamar's the, banged up. Yeah, I just... Which may, I mean, may lead to him passing a little bit more and running a little bit less. Hollywood is one of these guys that he's so volatile. That's what you're looking for. You want to make sure you're finding him on low owned weeks. He doesn't really make it into my single entry and three max plays. Um, I again, I'm going to go but right back to that Panthers game. A uh, couple guys there. I mean, Anderson is 5900, but DJ Moore is top 11 and weighted opportunity. He's got only three less targets than Robbie Anderson. He's got all the um, area. He leads the team in air yards. Um, and we're looking at a Falcons team that is bottom three in explosive pass rate. And you can attack them deep all day long. So I think that, again, I'm going to not shut up about this game. But I think 
with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson mixing and matching those guys, I think are really intriguing plays in that 6K range. Well, last week I was kind of not necessarily all in on Robbie Anderson, but I went full fade on DJ Moore and played Robbie Anderson in his spot as DJ Moore is shaping up to be the gigantic chalk of the week. It seems like their roles are now reversed this week, uh, so it does seem like a fantastic opportunity to go back to DJ Moore. Yeah, I, I, what, those high ADOT guys that are highly volatile, you know, it's it's much easier to fade a chalky wide receiver than it is uh, sometimes a chalky running back because they're going to get their volume regardless. But if you get six to eight targets, we saw with Ridley, right? He got a lot of valuable targets. He didn't come down with them. There's a lot more ways for those guys to bust. So if they're going to have uh, similar ownership, then you might leave Robbie Anderson. But if Anderson's going to have three or four X the ownership, then DJ Moore is probably the better play. Another guy in that range is CeeDee Lamb, you know, getting going back to that Dallas game. James Bradbury has been one of the better corners in the NFL so far, and he will shadow Amari Cooper, which will lead the ability to attack them with the secondary receivers like Michael Gallup, who's going to have no ownership again, and CeeDee Lamb, who's been one of the best uh, rookies in the NFL this year, dominant in the slot. The Giants cannot cover the slot. So I really think that CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup are two receivers to attack with in that game. Hmm. Now I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. In that game, like you just play Slayton, don't you? At 4,800 bucks. We we didn't. Even, definitely. We also didn't talk about Devonta Freeman at all, who did kind of emerge as the guy in the Giants' backfield. It's not like the Cowboys are stopping anyone. I mean, you mentioned AJ Green being washed up. What is what is Devonta Freeman I don't, at this point? I don't know. He actually like didn't look terrible against the Rams last week. Yeah. Um... Honestly, that's not a bad like GPP leverage spot, right? Where a game has a lot of expected points and no one's going to look that way. I, I often go that direction with tight ends. I was on Dalton Schultz last week because that's you know, the Browns are terrible against tight ends, but the game's going to shoot out and everyone's ownership is going to go to certain places, but it's a way to gain leverage on the field. So the Freeman call, I don't hate. I'm he He's not on my radar at all this week. To, just to be completely honest, Slayton obviously is the best play. The Cowboys are the worst team in the NFL guarding the uh, left side of the field, which would make the right wide receiver. The guy you really want to attack them with, Slayton, plays about 33% of his snaps over there. The issue is that it's guys like Ratley and Board, and I'm probably not going to go that direction. But Slayton is the – he's going to be the chalk giant. I personally prefer Evan Ingram, but Slayton is in a really good spot. There are two really strong pivots in that area. I think Christian Kirk and Pascal are guys that I are, are really intriguing. You know, ever since Paris Campbell or Paris Campbell, no, I'm going to let you do that. That was bad. I apologize. Uh, hopefully we can edit that part out. But um, <laughs> the ever since Campbell's been out, you know, we've seen Pascal slot snaps jump from about 40% to 66%. The Browns are giving up 10.8 targets to slot receivers, um, nearly 100 yards. Like, that's the place to attack that defense. I don't think he'll carry any ownership. And Christian Kirk has seen uh, 40% of Kyle, Kyle Murray's uh, – Kyler Murray. Kyle Murray works at FTM Daily. Kyler Murray's um, deep passes this season. The Jets are the worst team in the NFL covering the deep ball. They are the worst team covering the secondary wide receiver. And I think that Kirk is a guy that's going to go overlooked too. And those are two strong pivots off chalk slate in this week. I guess the other guy that's, I mean, we can kind of talk about the Eagles receivers a little bit. I know it's an awful matchup against the Steelers, but it looks like Deshaun and or Alshon may be back. But again, they could both sit again. And then you're dealing with like the absolute jabronis who the Eagles are running out there. But they tend to get volume at the same time. Is that just a game to stay away from? Yeah, I, the the guy I have interest in that game is Eric Ebron. But I, I don't really look to attack the Steelers defense. And they're going to they're gonna swarm Carson Wentz. Uh, they their blitz rate, their pressure rate is absurd. Their secondary is phenomenal. You really attack them in the slot. But Zach Ertz, you know, another guy who's looking old, uh, what, four, nine yards last week? That's that's not a guy I necessarily want to go back to. He just has looked slow. I would I would kind of like Dallas Goddard in this spot, but obviously he's he's not going to play. So the, the Eagles, 
I'm not really looking for Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, maybe in GPPs, but I'll probably just stay away from that offense in this week. Uh, in the mid fives, Deontay Johnson is just sticking out there. He's dealing with this toe injuries, past concussion protocol. He was off last week because they were playing the Titans. Seems like he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, maybe that's just my impression. That's completely off base. But if people are going to pay down for Slayton and that's going to be super chalky and maybe they want to get higher exposure to some of the higher scoring games of the week, could he just kind of fly under the radar at 56? Yeah, that and the, the potential matchup with Darius Slay. I know Slay got banged up last week. I haven't seen his his status. Um, you know, we record this on Thursday mornings, right? So some of the injury information is still a little bit out there. But Johnson has cleared concussion protocol. He missed practice with a toe injury, but they've already said it's not a big deal and he should play. He was looking like every bit of the wide receiver one for the Steelers in terms of volume. I think Johnson is a really sneaky play. Um, and I guess the other one to kind of look at from like up in this like middle tier, I, do we just keep rolling Devonte Parker? I think there's like some buzz for Isaiah Ward, but that's just going to be so up and down when Fitzpatrick drops back. And this might be the last time you get to use a Fitzpatrick type of move, but he's looking for Devonte Parker every single time. He has to fade a hamstring injury and he has the best matchup on the field against the 49ers secondary. Yeah. I mean, Parker's going to get the volume. I, I thought Preston Williams was going to be more involved in this offense. He was through the first couple of weeks, but, you know, Parker is clearly fits his guy. And if you're going to tell me that I'm going to get eight plus targets at, what do you think is going to be on 5%? If that, I, I it just, especially with DJ Moore, CD Lamb, Robbie Anderson right above him uh, and just all of the pay down options, a thousand dollars cheaper. It just, it strikes me as a player people won't go to. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy that averages about 12 yards a catch, getting eight-plus targets in a, in a good matchup on a team that's going to have to throw a lot, seeing sub-5% ownership. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a strong tournament play right there. Uh, the rest of the guys down the list, I think Russell Gage will end up being popular if Julio sits, but you might have to go to my guy, Ozymandias, and throw him in at like a super cheap price, right? <laughs> we're... we're, we're, we're... Isn't it crazy when we get to week five? Like you look at week one when we first talked, and could you imagine this is who we're talking about right now? But he's going to be on the field, and it goes back to he probably wouldn't make a single entry team for me. But that twenty max stack in that game up, mixing and matching my exposure to try to you know take advantage of a game that I think is going to see sixty plus points. I think is in play. Well, would you like? Do you get? too cute by going to like Christian Blake or maybe playing more Hayden Hurst like maybe the move is just to play Matt Ryan and Ridley and just don't worry about the rest I mean Matt Ryan Ridley Mike Davis DJ Moore I think Teddy Bridgewater is a strong play looking at a guy at sixth in yards but 23rd in touchdown passes um and is running the ball a little bit um are probably my top options I mean Hayden Hurst is definitely in play uh, Ian Thomas only has nine targets on the season, but I mentioned the high-scoring games mixing and matching with tight ends. I just think this isn't the week to do it with Thomas. Uh, those are going to be my highest-owned guys, but I don't mind getting a little bit weird in a really high-scoring game. Well, if you do want to get weird, uh, Zacchaeus makes the most sense. I have no idea if I'm saying that right or not. I am just going to continue to call him Ozymandias because I can actually pronounce that. But he's $3,000. Like That's what we're looking for here if you're going to pay down. Do you think that he will garner ownership if Julio sits? No. Really? Not much. Uh, define ownership. Like, will he be above 5%? I think he'll be about in that range. That's a lot for um, a $3,000 player. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, one $3,000 player that is interesting a little bit is Jeff Smith of the Jets. He came out, and he he's the number one option on the outside. He's got a lot of speed. They they really made a point to get him the football. Uh, he's, he's only 3000 Plays for the Jets. Probably not the direction I want to go, but I just want to mention that, you know, I think he's a guy that'll probably be 4K after this week. Well, that's um, a, well, that's also a situation too, because Brashad Perriman has now been like basically said to be doubtful this week, uh, so he's not going to be back. Obviously, you're going to have Crowder, you're going to have Hogan on the outside. Is he, did Smith just pass Braxton Berrios? Like Berrios just gone? Yeah, Berrios is a, basically a slot receiver only. So I was kind of surprised when he was popular on that slate. His he's only really coming in when Crowder comes out. Uh, Chris Hogan is not good, and Jeff Smith just got off IR, and he was clearly a big part of the game plan, seeing nine targets for 81 yards, and he's the vertical passing attack. I think in 3K, he's an interesting guy uh, just because of his speed and the fact that he's probably going to garner 1% ownership. 
Yeah, that would be the pivot off of Big Z on the Falcons, that if he's going to be like 5 6 7% owned because everyone wants exposure to this game, he's the very clear, logical pay-down option without Julio. There's actually a bunch of guys down at the min 3K that you could potentially go to who aren't just the worst options in the world. Like, you have... I guess Gabe Davis is not playing, so you take him off the board. But Demir Bird is the min at three thousand. Uh, you mentioned him earlier. Like Damian Ratley is at thirty two hundred dollars. If it could be CJ Board, it could be Ratley, it could be Slayton, it could be Tate. But if you do want exposure to that game, that's a thirty two hundred dollar option. And even Jeff Smith, like you mentioned, like there are guys down there who are not unplayable for the first time all year. Yeah, we haven't. I mean, KJ Hamler was the one guy that people talked about a couple weeks ago in that three K range, but we haven't had those you know, min price guys, which makes it a little bit easier to get to Zeke and be different with Zeke, right? And play some stud running backs and potentially stack that Falcons game up. And then your last receiver is Jeff Smith to afford all of that. Uh, in, the, um, in the 4K range, like I mentioned Slayton, you mentioned Christian Kirk. I think those are both decent calls. The one that really intrigues me, although they've been the best at limiting fantasy wide receivers so far this season in terms of DraftKings points but Henry Ruggs is back at practice that if that's a game where they're 12 and a half point underdogs against Kansas City it could just be bombs away and if he is healthy like he's going to be running down the field yeah the issue is that the Chiefs were really good at taking away the deep ball last year they've been really good at taking away the deep ball this year that's kind of their entire priority but, is making but, but, beat them but when you play someone like Ruggs, isn't it sort of the same thing like playing Marquise Brown where the matchup is kind of irrelevant you're playing for two really gigantic scores and either he's going to beat the guy or he's not going to beat the guy. The matchup is kind of irrelevant because it's not like he just goes off and catches deep touchdowns and good matchups. It's you'd never know the week. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very fair. And the one thing with rugs too, is he's so explosive that he can take a slant to the house as well. Right. I mean, though, in the opening week, he caught one pass that I think it was like a 10 yard target and then he took it 30 more yards. So he's got explosive ability. And it's going to carry no ownership and, you know, I think that's a that's a strong point. Those kind of guys' matchups matter less. Um, I do obviously. I would prefer him to be able to have a better matchup than not. But um, your points are very valid. That it's an explosive player that's cheap in a game where they're going to have to throw a lot. That's going to garner no ownership, and those are always in play for tournaments. And then you get the situation too that if they have to play catch up because they're down by twenty one, maybe. Kansas City's just like, eh, you know what? Have this one. Like, go nuts. It's the, it's the fourth quarter. We're not even trying anymore. Like, those type of players can really come through in those big spots. Maybe your receiving core this week should just be Hollywood Brown, Will Fuller, and Henry Ruggs and just YOLO. Hope it's there. Hope they all just kind of line up for the same week. Yeah, that's a, that's an opportunity to score 10 points or 100 points right there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other ones that people I think might be going to, Tim Patrick is garnering some buzz just because Hamler is out this week. Jerry Judy expected, I guess he's not going to get Stephen Gilmore. So now we don't know what the Patriots defense is going to look like if that game goes through. He's $4,400. But we also don't know who's going to be starting for the Broncos. Drew Locke is back at limited practice. He could play this week. I wouldn't expect him to play this week. But at the same time, you know, crazier things have happened. Chenault is dealing with this like mystery hamstring injury. And every time that I've seen a hamstring injury next to a player's name, so far this season Elliot that player hasn't played yeah those those soft tissue injuries are not things you want to mess with um and he's he's an you know explosive guy so even if he does go there's an opportunity for him to leave there's an opportunity for him to lose a little bit of explosiveness that's probably a guy that I just won't be interested in um I I don't really want to mess with an injury like that uh Tim Patrick you know (sighs) It was interesting because Brett Rippon was a guy that, you know, Brad Evans talked about it on, on the show last week that all the all the beats were talking about. Rippon and Patrick had a ton of chemistry in practice, and that was his guy. Um, we don't necessarily know who's going to start this week, but that would if Rippon starts, it would probably make me a little bit more interested in uh, Patrick. But in general, like the, the Patriots aren't the Jets either. You know, that the Broncos offense is, is not particularly good. That game is not – really going to shoot out the the Brian Hoyer versus Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, or Jeff Driscoll, whoever it is, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, that's kind of a game that I probably won't have much exposure to. Do we know that if everything goes right, if Cam can play or not? I'm very confused about all of these COVID rules that it seems like there's a chance he could play. I mean, <laughs> 14 days is supposed to be the rule, right? I mean, I don't... 
the White House made it three. I really don't. I don't understand how some of this stuff works. But I would be surprised if Cam Newton played personally. I, I would be surprised too. But like, let, let's say last second, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, Cam's playing. You get one percent Cam in a matchup against the Broncos. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, and it's not like that's something that's going to be re-aggravated, right? He's not going to get COVID again on Sunday. It's not a hamstring injury. So, uh, Cam Newton with his rushing ability and the fact that he could run fifteen plus times and score two touchdowns on the ground at 1% ownership is always a guy that's worth talking about. Uh, the last two receivers that I wanted to bring up just to get your take on them without Bill O'Brien around and everyone playing Brandon Cooks last week for a nice big zero. No one is playing Brandon Cooks this time around, right? Yeah. I mean, or, or should they, is that smart? Like just don't play Brandon Cooks. He hasn't really shown much chemistry with Deshaun Watson. It's really been the Will Fuller show. I, I probably won't go there. But what? like you said, this is a guy that it's going to be a high total game and he's going to be, what, 2% owned? If that. I, I would say that he's probably less than 1% owned. Because, like, Nikhil yeah. Harry's the same price, and I think people watch that Monday night game. They're like, oh, it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback. They get near the end zone and they're passing. It seems to be to Nikhil Harry. Yeah. I don't hate it, but I'm not going to go there in single entry or three max. That would be a 150 max play for me, to be honest. All right. Let's move to tight ends. Uh, who's the play? Kittle? Good Lord, did he look good. Um, 15 catches. Uh, the Dolphins are not a good um, defense either. They're really bad in the, the red zone. Kittle looked fully healthy. This is this is going to be the offense, but he's not going to catch 15 passes for 183 yards every single week. But what? he's also not priced at 7,200 or 7,300, where he typically would be coming off a game like that. I, I don't mind paying up for Kittle. I think he's every bit as good as some of those 6K wide receivers. Um, but if I'm not going to go Kittle, it's probably going to go down to the Evan Ingrams or Eric Ebron against an Eagles team that's 32nd DVOA and has seen his routes run per dropback go up you know, significantly to the point where it was 80% the last week. He's got touchdown equity in that offense. You've been able to attack the Eagles, who we just saw Kittle go off against with tight ends. I think he's a sneaky play as well down there. But, you know, George Kittle's no doubt about it, the top player of the slate, which probably makes Travis Kelsey interesting as a pivot because we know he can break slates. We know the Raiders' defense is horrendous. And, you know, people are going to, if they're going to pay up, probably go to Kittle off that massive game. That's what I wanted to bring up. At least nine targets for Travis Kelsey in each of his past five games against the Raiders. It's going to be hit and miss in that offense. Like, you're going to have to really hit it if you're going to hit it. But it does feel like a spot where he just go for, like, yeah, 10 for 150 and two touchdowns and be like, oh, yeah, everyone played Kittle this week who had, you know, four for 95. Yeah, I think I think Kelsey is 100% in play. <clears throat> I think if you, if you want to beat George Kittle teams and have similar roster construction – the pivot is to Travis Kelsey. Um, Tyler Higby, I find, is interesting just because no one will use him at $5,600 because he's so boomer bust. But you do get that boom with him. It's like Cooper Cup this week. You want to take the interior passing options against this Washington defense. I mean, you can basically just pass on Washington. But at the same time, like... I'm looking for extreme upside if I'm going to pay up. Like, Jonu would have been a really nice play uh, with everyone out for the Tennessee, but it doesn't look like they're going to go whatsoever. Dalton Schultz is dealing with a thigh injury right now. Noah Fant probably not going to play. Then you have Mike Gesicki against San Francisco, $5,000. I used Gesicki everywhere last week, and he was awful. But that doesn't deter me. Uh, at the same time, I can just go back to Gesicki now that the world is off of him. Yeah, I was, I was right there with you with Gesicki where going up against a team that was the worst team in the league covering the slot receiver, the man was running 77% of his routes. That game had all the yards and none of the points, and Gesicki was not a factor. I thought we were going to see a similar performance to the Bills. So um, he's got that upside. I'd probably prefer Parker in that range. <clears throat> for me, it's it's really, you know, I'm going to pay up for Kittle or Kelsey or Evan Ingram's in such a good spot against a Cowboys team that was last in – receptions and third in yards allowed to tight ends last season uh ingram is a guy that's heavily featured in this offense you know that that expected points metric he's the top tight end that's in terms of due for positive regression it's what? Evan ingram it's not it's not logan thomas um it's not logan thomas actually um <laughs> believe it or not even though you know that's another guy that you know every week you're like oh there's nine tight end targets cool i got my 25 yards that was fun um I think that Evan Ingram is a great play, and I think 
Eric Ebron, like I mentioned before, is a guy that's going to get overlooked. Coming off a seven-target game and a touchdown, 16.2 DraftKings points the last game. You know, going back to him against the Eagles team that's 32nd DVOA makes a lot of sense this week with very low ownership. Uh, if you're just trying to pick out uh, a good matchup and a guy who might be on the field a lot at only $3,400, uh, if people are going to go back to Logan Thomas, it doesn't look like Jordan Aikens is going to play after suffering that serious concussion where he was knocked out last week by Harrison Smith. That Darren Fells all of a sudden, if you buy into a rebound for this Texans offense at all as six-point favorites, Fells is going to be on the field a lot. And he's had touchdown equity in this offense all of last year, right? I think he was top three in touchdowns scored in the NFL randomly. Uh, he's got multiple touchdown upside. It's a great way to game stack that game up and be different. It's what I talked about with Dalton Schultz. If you think a game's going to shoot out and they're popular plays and the tight end is cheap and no one's playing him, that's just a strong tournament strategy in general. So Darren Fells is a good call. Um I can't – is there any other pay down option that you would, like, feel comfortable with? Or is it, like, just – Either lock in Evan Ingram, pivot up to Gusecki or the very top end guys, or just pay for absolute jabronis, like the, the biggest scrubs available. Yeah, and there are not any jabronis you feel about, good about, right? I mean, we going to do the Chris Herndon thing again? No. <laughs> I, I'd, pro- right? I, I'd, like, I'd probably rather play Tarzan Dan Arnold. Yeah, like, you know, if you would have looked at last year's, you'd be like, oh, Chris Herndon and against the – Tight end funnel, Carolina, uh, Arizona Cardinals, right? Joe Flacco, Mr. Checkdown, Chris Herndon, underneath routes. He's looked horrendous. I, I can't go that direction. I, there's enough value on this slate for me to be able to pay 4K for a t- uh, tight end that I don't think I have to do these absolutely gross punts outside of game stacks and, and Darren Fells. Well, let's go into game stacks for a second because the highest projected quarterback for the week, as he tends to always be, is Lamar Jackson. And no one wants to use Mark Andrews. I actually thought I was going to win the Millionaire Maker for a second last week with my Lamar, Hollywood Brown, and Mark Andrews lineups. Uh, Then, like, all the other quarterbacks scored more points than he did. But eventually it just seems like every week fewer and fewer people are playing Lamar, playing Mark Andrews. And maybe I'm just chasing a sinking ship here. But at the same time, like, it's going to hit one of these weeks, and it's going to hit big. Yeah, I, we're looking at a guy that's throwing 193, 97, 204, and 275, right? The, the issue has been the, the passing volume. He's got to be extremely efficient. That's what we saw him last year, right? His, his touchdown rate was like 9%, which is absurd. And that's really what you're hoping for is one of those five touchdown games. The volume is tough to get two receivers there. Uh, Lamar is at a price at 7,900 is what the, I think that's the cheapest he's been all year. We know he's got hundred yard and multi-touchdown upside on the ground. Uh, he's just a guy that I haven't really gravitated towards this year. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a position where you can pay down pretty easily. And even it's not like Lamar is 2% and all the rest of the high end options like Mahomes or Russ or whoever it might be in an, any given week are, you know, 20% you're getting massive leverage. All the quarterbacks all year long have been fairly flat, except for that one Kyler Murray week in week two when he was severely underpriced. Yeah, I think he was 6K, right? And then he scored like 20 points in the first half. That was an oops by DraftKings. But yeah, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is in a great spot this week. Dak Prescott is, you know, he's he only has averaged 315 uh, yards per game to break the all-time passing record. Like he is... He's shattering it. If he keeps his current pace, he doesn't need to play the final game and a half of the year to break the all-time passing yards record. Um, he's in a phenomenal spot. Kyle Murray against a Jets defense that is horrendous, and we know he's on the he's using his legs a lot. I would really like them to go from the horizontal raid to the uh, vertical raid, but they're, they haven't done that. But this might be the week with how bad the Jets are against the deep passes. Like A lot of these quarterbacks have rushing upside in that top part of the – the pay-up options as well. So for me, if I'm paying up, it's probably, I think Mahomes in a game stack with Hill and Kelsey is really intriguing because I don't think you're going to get a lot of that. Just from the, the you know, Lamar, Dak Prescott standpoint, people would rather stack that game. The Kittle standpoint, I think that's really intriguing. I think Kyle Murray with Christian Kirk is very intriguing. Dak Prescott's always in play. And then I'm going to go down and I'm going to shock you here for a second, but I kind of like Matt Ryan and Teddy Bridgewater. No, Um, (laughs) I don't believe you for a second. Do you think that Teddy B at his price and the Carolina stack will be higher owned than Daniel Jones just kind of by himself? No, 
I think that Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton will probably be the chalk of the week. I think people are just going to be like, well, I'm going to stack up the quarterback and the top receiver against the Cowboys and count my money again. I mean, that might work. It, it's, <laughs> it has worked, right? Every week but week one, um, where the Rams just took the air out of the ball and Dak Prescott had 200 passing yards in the first half and finished with 260 as they went to he went to captain check down. Um, the the Giants' secondary is not particularly good. They can take away Amari Cooper. Um, the Giants are have only scored three offensive touchdowns this entire season. They have played one of the tougher defenses or for the defensive schedules of the year. But I think that Daniel Jones is absolutely in play this week. I just think Dan, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is in just as good of a spot with lower ownership, and he's got much better weapons. I would say that Matt Ryan's going to be even lower owned than all of those guys at 6,100. People are not going to look that direction. And I, I know I've said this like four times, but I'm going to say it one last time. When Ryan is not under pressure, those are the spots you want to get. And no team has generated less pressure than the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I, I don't even really think about other ways that you can go. Like if you really want to save all the money in the world, Kyle Allen's 4100 bucks. <laughs> You're going to see people do that. It might not oh. be the worst thing in the world. He can run a little bit. Maybe just bomb it to McLaurin a bunch of times. Yeah, it's you could make an argument for him and Gibson and play whoever you want and just hope that that team scores, what, three touchdowns and one of the passes is to Gibson. Yeah, that's even a pretty ridiculous story to try to tell yourself. Yeah, I'm just uh, you. You could just go completely cheap and say that I'm going to think that Washington can go over their team total this week. I'm going to take all the touchdown equity in that offense. I'm only going to pay ninety one hundred for it and then I can play every other stat I want. The issue with doing that, if people are considering it, I think in cash games and double ups, that could work in tournaments. Like with the way that quarterbacks are scoring points this year, that if you're not getting like 35 plus from your quarterback, you're not going to win. Yeah, but he's like half the price of those 35 point guys, right? So you need him to get 300 yards, two touchdowns and run for 25, 30 yards. You do, but I mean, that's like the high end for Kyle Allen. Yeah, no, it's, that's that, 100%. Most, 100%. Most, most likely. But I, I, people always talk about this like, oh, if you can get like 5x value from your, your quarterback, it doesn't matter how, what his price is. Like you've already kind of won because you have the money to spend on the other positions. The part that's never factored into that is you still need to get the wide receiver right, which you probably won't. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying like this is the slam dunk strategy of the week. I'm just saying that it it is – and you're probably right. It's a better cash game option where you can get all the the studs. You can get your Zeke's and Kittles and Calvin Ridley's and and feel very. You can even pay up at defense if you really want. But Allen does need 25 to 28 points to win it to be on a GPP winning lineup, and that is, uh, you know, at the very high end of his range of outcomes. Yeah, uh, in terms of actual matchups, when you look at it. I, we don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback, but it doesn't really matter because they're all super cheap. Could you do a Niners stack if you think that all of a sudden, you know what, you just pass all over the Dolphins all you want. They're going to like try to keep up on the scoreboard with Fitz just, just either running himself or just trying to get down the field as quickly as possible. That it's just a really good matchup in a stack that no one's going to use. And you can kind of throw in, maybe you want to throw in uh, Colonel Moss start into that and hopefully he has another receiving touchdown. Debo looks like he's playing a little bit more. Obviously, Kittle would be the main piece of that. I don't know if it's for me, but I'm just trying to find of like, it does seem like everyone's going to be on the same like three or four game stacks. And logically, that makes a lot of sense. It's going to be the Carolina, the Falcons, uh, the Arizona side of the ball, either the Giants or Dallas. Like those are going to be the five most popular ones that you have this cheap San Francisco one if you still wanted to go cheap. Or if you want to pay a little bit more, like you said, the Chiefs probably won't be as popular as you think. And then you have like, I don't know, the Texans Jags game is just very appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, Watson runs. <laughs> Sometimes you got to be simple, right? The Konami code is a real thing. You want quarterbacks with rushing upside. Minshew so runs Minshew. too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, Minshew, Minshew uses, uses his legs, the fifth most in the NFL last year. And This is the kind of game where Minshew crushes. They're six-point underdogs against a bad defense. There's going to be a lot of garbage time. The Texans don't generate a ton of pressure. 
and James Robinson is a factor in this receiving game. Like it's not super wise all the time to put a running back in your stack with a quarterback, but I think that he could potentially get a receiving touchdown in this game. Like he, this is how they use him. He's just on the field at all times. And with Tyler Eifert, you know, iffy to play in this game, Chenault popping up on the injury report, we're kind of like crossing off pieces of this offense that if you just wanted to go Minshew, Chark, Robinson, and bring it back with like Will Fuller, like that's not a crazy idea. No, it's not a bad, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. I think, you know, if there's one thing I'm taking away from this show, it's that uh, Robinson is a fantastic play, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that mixing him with Minshew makes a lot of sense. I mean, we saw it last year with Fournette. This is not a team that's shy to throw the ball to the running back. I mean, against the Dolphins on that Thursday night football game, Robinson ran 16 routes. He saw... What six targets? That's absurd. Like when he's on the field, that's where Minshew wants to get the football to. That's he's he's such a huge part of that offense every time he's on the field. That I think stacking him up with Minshew makes a lot of sense. And running it back with Will Fuller, who at sixty six hundred is a little expensive, and he'll probably see less. And that's a fifty four point total game. It's a top three total game, and it's probably going to garner the the least amount of ownership. So I have no issue with that. We've seen Minshew's got thirty point upside. He can run one in for the end zone. You can pass it to James Robinson. I think that's a pretty strong call by you. Uh, and listen, it's probably going to be a loser, but it will be the least popular of like of the of the big three games that you talked about. That is going to be the least stack side of any of them. I love that you said that it could be a loser, um, <laughs> the, the Pat Mayo brand, right? But in all seriousness, I, I do think I'm going to have his uh, James Robinson will be top three owned for me among all my all my in my entire player pool this week. All right, defenses before we get out of here. The Patriots are 4200 bucks, and even without Gilmore on their defense, if this game goes, it's a week where you could find the money to play them if you wanted to, and it is a terrific matchup. Top three in pressure rate for the Patriots' defense. The offensive line for the Broncos, second worst in allowing the most pressure. Like, it's a perfect situation, especially if Cal Ripken ends up starting, because he fucking knows with him. Uh, he's not, like you said, he's not playing the Jets anymore, uh, even if it is Locke. Like, if you could find... <laughs> he did play the Jets, and he threw three picks. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, not great, but finding 4200 bucks for a defense, uh, not always the wisest strategy going. Is there a paid-down defense that you can see actually working out here? Like, the Browns at 2700 bucks or the Texans. I know I just said I like the Jags, but uh, maybe I don't even like the Texans. They just don't generate pressure like they used to. Maybe it's the Browns. And they forced zero turnovers through four weeks. Like the Texans were, I mean, were were a decent value last week against a Vikings team that is no good, and they got shredded. Um, I think that the the Browns are the team. Miles Garrett is as good of an edge rusher as there is in the NFL. We saw them really attack the uh, the get. They got pressure on Dak a lot. They they were a decent defensive play last week, despite the fact that they gave up thirty eight points. Phillip Rivers does not scare me. He is a turnover-prone quarterback. It's not an offensive line I'd like to attack, but I do think the Browns are the best pay-down defense option this week. Looking at it a little bit more, I'm just looking at the, the worst pressure rates, so the worst offensive lines at giving up pressure uh, so far this season. The Niners, Denver, Houston, Minnesota, the Chargers, Seattle, three teams that aren't on this slate. The Giants, the Jets, New England and Pittsburgh in terms of adjusted sack rate uh, we're looking at the Giants being the worst then the Niners then the Broncos and then Washington like would you have any problems using the Rams on the road against Kyle Allen no I don't think the Rams are a bad play I think the Steelers are a really strong play you yeah, know they, I mentioned before they, they are but they have to be the chalk defense this week right like they could go to like 15 percent owned I think because they're cheaper yeah. than the higher end options yeah and they're the the team that generates the most pressure the Eagles are a disaster Right. They have they don't. And when we mentioned Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey potentially coming back. They don't necessarily have the weapons that scare you. Wentz has been bad, especially under pressure. The Steelers are probably the chalk defense of the week. Um, the Chiefs have been generating a lot of pressure. Uh, that that one is a, a bit interesting. They are massive home favorites. They could go a little bit overlooked. Um, the, the Cowboys. You almost want to talk about. Are we going to we going to talk about the. You know, we normally talk about what uh, unstoppable force against an immovable object, but this is the opposite where it's a very movable object against no force. Like, how's this one going to go? That's a way to be a little bit different too, right? St- to play the Cowboys defense against a Giants offense that scored three touchdowns. That's been abysmal this year. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the Dolphins. Like the, Depending on who starts a quarterback, they could be a slightly intriguing option 
with what I, I don't but, I just don't know if I can get there with the Dolphins. Like they also don't really generate turnovers. I know they had the yeah. end zone pick on Russell Wilson last week, but like I, I played them in a few spots. They were not good. Although no defenses were really any good last week. The the thing is there's been more points scored. There are more points scored through three weeks of the NFL season than ever before. And last week was another uh really high scoring week. We last week we had the most games totaled over fifty, I think, ever. Like that it's going to be tougher and tougher for defenses to score because they're continuing to get shredded. Now, I know we've talked a lot about the points aren't a big deal. Like you're not getting a defense that's holding another team to three or 10 points, but, uh, and you're a hundred percent right about that. But the more teams that give up 28 to 35 points, the tougher it is for them to score uh, a lot of points. So that's just more of a, if CJ beat hard or Beathard or Nick Mullins or play, no, it's not going to be Mullins, but that's not the point. Um, I don't hate it just because it's a backup quarterback. But if I'm going to go down, it's it's probably the Browns because they're they're the best defense and Phillip Rivers is is not good. Yeah, the the Browns are an option if the Jags can figure out a way to jump up in this game. Like they're top half in terms of pressure rate against this awful Texans offensive line that maybe problems aren't solved in Houston just by getting Bill O'Brien all of a sudden that Sean Watson is taking sacks again. I don't love it, but they're somewhat cheap. Just looking at the very, like, very best payup uh, defenses, like Pittsburgh and New England are very clearly the best in my mind, but they're going to be very highly owned even at the inflated price. Another team that has an inflated price, which very sneakily has the third best pressure rate of any team this season, and it doesn't really occur to you because they've had so many injuries, is the Niners. Maybe the Niners defense against Fitzpatrick, which if you just told me this in week one, be like, oh yeah, play them. And they're not the most expensive defense? Okay, let's go there. Yeah, no, I think the Niners are really interesting. And I think um, because obviously they don't have Nick Bosa, but they're still generating a ton of pressure. The, like This team is so much deeper than Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman. They, they just have guys they can rotate in there all day long. Uh, for me, another pay-up defense that I think is really intriguing is the Baltimore Ravens. Now, they haven't generated the pressure, but they are blitzing an incredibly high percentage. This team forces turnovers. And they are, you know, they're big favorites against the Bengals who have the, the highest pass rate or second highest pass rate when trailing the season. They're going to have 45 plus opportunities to create sacks and pressures uh, and turnovers in this game against Joe Burrow, a rookie quarterback going on the road against one of the defenses that, you know, turns people over the most. I think they're an intriguing pivot off of the Pittsburgh Steelers chalk. Uh, if people are wondering, you can find all of this information up at ftndaily.com. It's a free tool to use. You can use the uh, offensive line and defensive line index. In terms of adjusted sack rate offensive line so far this season, the team's giving up the fewest amount of sacks per dropback. The Browns, the Vikings, who aren't on this slate, the Rams, New England, Jacksonville, and Dallas, which I thought was really intriguing. Yeah, I mean... It goes like I, I sometimes I feel like I sound like a broken record, but it goes back to generating pressure and who stops you from generating pressure. And I think one really important takeaway from that list is that the Browns offensive line might be the most improved unit in all of football this year. Their run blocking is absurd. Wyatt Teller's been the best guard in football uh, through the first four weeks of the season. Uh, Wills and or and uh, Jack Conklin, they, they've just they've really improved that offensive line. Baker Mayfield has looked so much better after week one. People calling for Case Keenum. That Browns offensive line is not one of the best units in football and not something you should attack. All right, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Week five, DraftKings picks and preview. Elliot, what do you got going on over at FTN Daily? Because I did get a text last night from uh, you know the, the, the big man in charge, Kevin Adams, who told me that his weekly matchups article, which is fantastic, doing better business than your 10 play article now oh man look at that the man brags he's 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 one in three and beat me by 10 clicks and now he, he's he's bragging on the pat mayo show but um on a serious note the the top 10 under 10 is my favorite 10 plays under 10 percent ownership i've got my advanced matchup plays i've got um cash game locks we got two shows coming up tonight for showdown uh player props to the window up 42 units so far betting over on FTN Bets, where we also just dropped the price by 50 bucks. So check out FTNBets.com, where our team has been absolutely crushing. Again, up 42 units this year. So that's something to be pretty proud of. Yeah. And when I talked to you guys, you were like, hey, Pat, why don't you make your picks premium and put them behind the wall? I was like, yeah, but then you have to know that my losses are included. So probably good that we're keeping me out of this. Yeah, listen. You got a great process, though. You know, every time we, you and I talk, you you help me think about certain things that are happening on the week. So, Pat, don't sell yourself short, man. You're a legend, and you know it. This is 
untrue, but I, I and I don't take praise very well. So let's let's just end the show right here. You can follow Elliot on Twitter at Elliot Chris, like I mentioned. Use code Mayo at FTN Daily, FTM Bets, FTNFantasy.com. Get access to all the tools, all the write-ups, everything. And you can even go to those sites and check out the free tools. You can find all the links in the description. Remember to smash the like button. Give me your favorite play on the Millionaire Maker slate for week five. And play in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings open link in the description. Check it out. Rake free. Best tournament on DraftKings. Highly suggested. I will be back on Friday evening. I do a live show on FTN Daily with three others. We got Derek. We got Kyle. We got Javi. Three pros that, uh, you know, I'm not. So nice to run some of the stuff by them. But the Pat Mayo Experience Injury Report and DraftKings Ownership will be out for free on Friday evening. All right? Check it out. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!